0: My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I am one of the co-pastors here over teaching and community. And I'm grateful to share uh, this sermon today. Shout out to our virtual community. I'm just so happy that you all have joined us for this worship experience. So this is Black History Month, and it's also Super Bowl 57. And with that, uh, black people are actually making history during Super Bowl 57. First off, uh, for the first time ever, there are two black quarterbacks playing against each other. Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City and Philly. It sounds like some fans in the audience. Okay. Um <laughs> And then, it's the first time that black women are making history in the Super Bowl. First off, Nicole Lynn of Clutch Sports is the first black woman to serve as an agent for a player in the Super Bowl. She's the agent of Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, Philly quarterback. And then, Philly's Eagle assistant performance coach, Autumn Lockwood, is the first black woman to coach ever in a Super Bowl, Autumn Lockwood. So, yeah, um, we are making history in a very powerful way. So, once upon a time, on a campus, some would say far, far away, I was approached by a student leader. This student leader was the president of a very conservative Christian organization. It was a student club. And the club was advised by individuals who were not affiliated with the university, but were connected to an organization outside the university. So this student approached me and asked if I would MC a worship service that they were planning. Now, I was shocked because this particular student group is very conservative. Conservative. It is known that they are not affirming of the LGBTQIA+ community. Um, it is very male-dominated, and on this particular campus, in a place probably far, far away to some of you, I was known to be a person who advocates for the rights of the LGBTQIA+ community. I give workshops and seminars and trainings all connected to LGBTQ+ inclusion. Very visible. So I thought it was strange that this student approached me. But I was excited. And I said, of course, I would love to MC your event. So they went on their way. I was excited. And then the student came back to me. And the student said, Vanita, I talked to my advisors. And there's just one thing they need you to do. And I said, what's that? And they said, we need you to sign a statement of faith. Uh, before you MC. and I said statement of faith okay I have faith but do I need to sign it and let me see what this document is all about so I read the document and here's what their statement of faith said they believe the Bible is God's infallible written word that it is fully inspired by the Holy Spirit and that it is written without error that is it is inerrant and the supreme and final authority in everything addressed. So when I read this statement of faith, I have to be honest, I was a little uncomfortable. I mean, the Bible has taken me through my Christian journey. I treasure the Bible. There are so many gems in it that have helped me throughout my life and to help me in my spiritual walk. However, there are some things in the Bible that I'm confused by. And there's some things that I don't fully embrace. So now this document said something that I didn't fully embrace. I didn't feel comfortable signing it. And it was really the first time where I had to let someone know how I actually viewed scripture. I mean, on one hand, I wanted to support my student. On the other hand, I didn't wanna seem like a heathen by not signing it. I thought about it, um, reflected on it, and I just told the student I wouldn't do it. And what I was required to sign connects with our thoughts and our topic for consideration today. Is the Bible authoritative, is it inspired, or is it inherent, inerrant? So um, I was really bothered by this, though, because I felt like I wanted to support the student and I didn't want to say no, but I was still comfortable in saying no. And I reached out to a couple of colleagues and they were so supportive of me, they affirmed me, and I really just left it in God's hands. I just released it and had a peace about it. The student comes back to me and says, you know, Vinayda, my advisor um, said that they want to follow up with you. Um, They said that you don't have to sign the document. You can still MC, but they want to reach out and they want to send you an email. And here's what their advisor said. Advisor. After chatting with my ministry director about this, it was explained to me that all blank staff and student leaders ought to agree with the full statement of faith. However, When we partner with organizations or faculty on campus, this may not always be the scenario. In your particular case, it's clear that you love the Lord and that said student trusts you. Obviously, we as an organization do believe scripture is without error in the original manuscripts. So we would ask simply that as UMC, this would not be something that is brought up. Is that all right? I said, I look forward to working with the said student on their upcoming concert. As a student affairs professional and clergy, I'm committed to creating safe spaces and serving our students with the utmost level of love and respect. I steer clear of anything that would jeopardize peace and harmony and cause harm. So as MC over a gospel concert, I would have no reason to bring up my theological perspective on scripture. (laughs) I truly believe that as Christians, there is more that connects us than separates us. And I'm all for healthy connections. So once again, (laughs) today, We are posed with this question for our consideration. Is the Bible authoritative? Is it inspired? Is it inerrant? If we think about what it means to be authoritative, the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible frames biblical authority as the idea that the Bible is the word of God and as such should be believed and it should be obeyed. If we think about what it means to be inspired, it's the understanding that the words actually came down from God to the writers and they were spiritually touched or inspired to write these stories, letters, the history, the prayers and poems. Second Timothy three and 16 says, everything in scripture is God's word, all of it, is useful for teaching and helping people and for correcting them and showing them how to live. And then if we think about what it means as the Bible being inerrant, it's lack of error, there's certainty or assuredness, it's the belief that the Bible is free from errors or untruths, it's complete reliance on God's words, Typically, it's connected to John 17 and 17, which says, your word is truth. Many of us have been taught that the Bible is a combination of one or two or all of these things, maybe none, depending on your religious affiliation. And as we reflect upon this question, it's important to think about the Bible as being a library of books. It's a compilation of stories that were (laughs) written down by human beings, and these stories began as oral traditions, and that's what we've been talking about throughout this series, passed down from generation to generation. Now, related to oral tradition, According to Britannica Dictionary, I know that's taking some of y'all back. Um, How many of you have Britannica in your households coming up, anybody? Yes, okay. Um, For millennia, prior to the invention of writing, which is a very recent phenomenon in the history of humankind, oral tradition served as the sole means of communication available for forming and maintaining societies and their institutions. Moreover, numerous studies conducted on six continents have illustrated that oral traditions remained the dominant mode of communication in the 21st century despite increasing rates of literacy. Very interesting. So this is from UNESCO's site. UNESCO is United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization. The oral tradition encompasses an enormous variety of spoken forms including proverbs, riddles, tales, nursery rhymes, legends, myths, epic songs, and poems, charms, prayers, chants, songs, dramatic performances, and even more. Oral traditions and expressions are used to pass on knowledge, cultural and social values and collective memory. They play a crucial part in keeping cultures alive. So oral tradition continued from generation to generation until someone, a group of individuals, actually wrote these stories down. Sometimes in certain instances, hundreds of years later, imagine years and years of people sharing and hearing these stories within families and within communities at a host of gatherings and then discussing, arguing, processing and debating and sometimes changing these stories up, these letters, these poems, these accounts. Now the people who wrote these accounts had lots of material to choose from. So we have 40 or so authors bringing all of this information together over approximately 1500 years on three continents asia europe and africa so with all of that the question for today still is does this make the bible authoritative inspired or inerrant the authors of the books of the bible had so much material ...passed down through the generations that they couldn't even tell it all. John 20 verses 30 and 31 says this. Now Jesus performed many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples... ...which are not recorded in this book. But these are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ... The son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name and then the book of John ends with this line in John 21 verse 25 Jesus did many other things as well if every one of them were written down I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written It's like the author is letting us know, by the way, there are so many other things that were left out of this library. New York Times bestselling author Rob Bell wrote, What is the Bible? How an ancient library of poems, letters, and stories can transform the way you think and feel about everything. Rob Bell writes these words, the authors of the books of the Bible then weren't just writing. They were selecting and editing and choosing and making decisions about what material and content furthered their purposes in writing and what didn't. The writer of the Gospel of Luke said, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. From the book of Esther, this Is what happened toward the end of the Gospel of John these are written so that you may believe now this whole Bible compilation and how everything came together it reminds me of the experience I had writing my mom's obituary a few months ago I made decisions based on oral traditions from various family members, and I made decisions based on the documentation that we had about what to include and what not to include. And then I handed it off to my sisters with what I thought was an orderly account of her life and experiences. Then, as part of the editing process, my siblings essentially came back with, this is what happened. (laughs) And after some changing and rephrasing and editing, we ultimately felt this biographical sketch was written in a way that people would believe her legacy truly spoke for itself even with all of the back and forth and even with all of the vetting we still had some inaccuracies in that obituary (laughs) so as it relates to the bible should what is left in this library of books be taken at face value or are we to read it and look for what is happening in the story Are we to look and allow the Holy Spirit to help us see new perspectives that are emerging and what new ideas are being presented? If we take the Bible as authoritative, inspired, or inerrant, then how do we justify all the ways it has been used to harm and keep people out of the arms of God when Jesus welcomed all people to receive God's love, particularly those who had been rejected? If we take the Bible as authoritative, inspired, or inerrant, how are we to interpret its ancient words, stories, letters, and poems today when it began as oral tradition and its writings were reflective of a certain people during a certain time in their context a really, really long time ago? when the stories that were told were filtered through a certain lens through the categories and understandings of the world they lived in. What about the Bible being used to justify the institution of slavery? To justify why women should only lead other women and children and not men, to justify why people in the LGBTQIA community are forbidden to lead and be their full authentic selves. To justify why people who are divorced or remarried can't occupy certain positions in some churches. And to justify why it seems only Jesus himself is probably the only person perfect and worthy enough to take communion. This does not mean that the Bible is not relevant to us or is out of touch with our world. In many instances, the various stories, if read in context, reveal new things happening, something pulling people forward and an understanding of God, not based on destruction, but relationship, which was evidenced in a powerful way through the life of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Jesus did not come to miss the point of the law, but to fulfill it, to embody it, to actually show what it looks like to live it out. I believe that through the Bible, Jesus was trying to convey that something new and something powerful was happening in the life of his people and in the world through him. He had come to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the prisoner, to recover sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, and life to the full, life more abundantly. Through all its various interpretations, and how we understand the Bible, and how we interpret interpret the Bible, what if we were to focus on the fact that the bible represents for us an invitation an invitation for us to live and to help others live and wherever we are within our spheres of influence we can help transform lives there are probably so many beliefs within this particular community Maybe you embrace the Bible as authoritative. Maybe you hold on to it as being the inspired word of God, and maybe you believe it to be inerrant. Maybe you believe none of these. Our desire is that we, in spite of whatever we believe, that we build connections with each other and we build solid and healthy relationships based on what we share. And what unites us is our shared values, the fact that we value worship reimagined, we value uncommon kinship, and we value radical equity. And when it comes to the Bible and whether or not it is the authority, which once again is the word of God, to be believed and obeyed, or whether its words were inspired by God, or whether it's infallible and free from errors and untruths, it's deep, it's complex, it's personal, and there are so many scholars and non-scholars who could argue for one point, for this point, for that point, part point, and the arguing and the different perspectives and opinions can go on and on and on to the end of time. With all of that, I hope that you are not anxious today with all of that. I hope you have a peace, a peace that transcends human Understanding. Initially, I was very anxious about all of this as it related to where I stood and how I embraced scripture. And then God gave me a peace, that peace that passes human understanding. And I hope that we can have grace, grace for ourselves and grace for each other as we try to figure things out, as we try to work through our own understandings, our beliefs, our questions, our many questions, even when we don't have the answers. So Oprah Winfrey um, has a book of inspirations, and um, she has this book entitled, or these inspirations entitled, This I Know For Sure. Um, So I wanted to take a spin on that and just say, this I believe for sure. I believe it's time for a more progressive theology where we might reconnect with the Bible in new and transformative ways. I believe that through the Bible we can find Jesus and Jesus's love and we can find that Jesus loves us unconditionally and that Jesus is for us just as we are. I believe that we can look at the Bible and understand that Jesus came to bring hope and enlightenment and to bring people together. I believe that it may not simply be a question of whether the Bible is authoritative, inspired, or inerrant, but maybe it's an invitation to keep interpreting, keep engaging, keep arguing, to keep wrestling, and to keep dancing with Scripture. So I shared a story about this student worship service and how I was supposed to emcee and how I actually did emcee. The service started out fine. Great music. One of my friends was there who was on the program. He preached, did an awesome job. And as you would probably suspect, plot twist. (laughs) One of the preachers? said something so incredibly offensive against the LGBTQIA community. I sat there and I was seething and I became enraged and the students who know me were sitting in front of me and they immediately looked at me <laughs> <laughs> to see what my expression was and I immediately looked at them to let them know I was not happy to so the point where I wanted to just get up and walk out. But I stayed because I wanted to support my students. But I did not want to be in a space that would cause people harm. People that I had suspected may have identified, but were not comfortable coming out. So my husband was there as well. Todd was furious. And he said that Vinita, you should have asked them to sign a statement of faith (laughs) he said you should have asked them not to say anything homophobic or heterosexist he so then you know we said well my letter would have said something like this so i would ask simply that if i emcee this would not be something that is brought up is that all right (laughs) The good news today is that's not the end of the story. No matter what the group believed about the Bible, one of the students in that conservative group had the opportunity to boldly come out as a member of the queer community during a special celebration we have for our students called Lavender Graduation. And it's an opportunity for students in the queer community to come out and to be supported where we honor their contributions and achievements as they graduate. So this student got to sign up. This student got to participate This student got to walk down a red carpet and this student was able to listen to a commencement speech from another person of color who was out and proud and loves Jesus. Our own Pastor Mac was the keynote that day. And let me tell you something about this student. This student was so happy. I gave them a big hug. They were so joyful and it meant so much to me to see this student being celebrated as opposed to being in that other situation. And maybe the joy that this student felt was because they fully felt the love of Jesus Christ. Maybe because they fully felt the love of their community and they knew that they were being affirmed no matter what. Maybe she felt like finally she belonged. And maybe that's our takeaway for whether or not the Bible is authoritative, inspired, or inerrant. Maybe it's a question of connection and belonging. Ken Wilson, who is the author of A Letter to My Congregation, An Evangelical Pastor's Path to Embracing People Who Are Gay, Lesbian, and Transgender in the Company of Jesus, connects what I'm sharing to what he has in his book. The question of belonging is the question addressed by the gospel. The question of belonging and with that we can assuredly say yes jesus love